the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Planted with Sarah Pion. I'm Sarah Pion, your host, and today we have activist and counterculture icon Wavy Gravy on the show. Wavy, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you here. Wavy Gravy, hippie icon, flower geezer, and temple of accumulated error. Could we have the next slide, please? (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) On the next slide, I want to ask you about what your first cannabis experience was. Oh, my God. I think I was in uh, on the East Coast, and uh, uh, perhaps uh, up at our ranch, and uh, I somehow wandered into some weed, and the next thing you know, I'm uh, pounding on the roof of my Oldsmobile with a, uh, a film can. <laughs> maintaining I'm sending telegraph messages around the world. I actually believe that. I was trained in the service to do Morse code. Oh, so it is wavy gravy. That's just wavy. Did you get anything back? Any messages back? Just in in the recesses of my mind, but yeah, sure. I, I I did that in the army. I would uh, go on a worldwide net and speak to people all over the world in uh, Morse code. That's really interesting. I didn't know that about you. Strange, but true. Huh. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it's it's just so interesting. Like in your life, you've gone through many different phases. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Like the moon. Yeah, yeah. Me and the moon, many phases. <laughs> when when you think about, and, and, and today our listeners know that today we're going to talk a little bit about cannabis, but really it's about spending time with Wavy and, okay. and, and hanging out with you and talking. But when we look at cannabis, what do you think about it around creativity or people around you using it for relief? Because, for example... I've always enjoyed it, but I got the most use out of it several years ago when I had cancer. And so one of the things that I, I think about is like people who need it most, who are maybe not able to afford it, but the therapeutic benefit is a really good thing. That's why I've worked on compassion programs, getting free medicine to people. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are around that, or if you've even really thought about it at all. Well, thinking gets in the way of thought, but it, it tickled <laughs> my fancy, for sure. And my fancy is cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> Laughter is the valve on the pressure cooker of life. If you don't laugh at shit, you end up with your brains on the ceiling. <sighs> Truth. Truth. Not a good place for them. <laughs> no, no, yeah, I know. That's that for me too. When I was when I was sick, when I, well, even now, it's like uh-huh. humor is is what gets gets us through everything. Absolutely, and I'm ticklish too. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you know what? It, let's talk a little bit about what are the basic human needs because I want to hear this from you. Oh, basic human needs uh, to. Uh, have some place to live and something to eat and uh, clothes, shoes upon your feet and something to eat and uh, 
uh, a heart to light up and uh, lead the way, follow into the light. Yeah. Always into the light. I think a lot of people who may not know your work see you as, and it's it's true, you are a cultural icon, and you bring laughter and joy to a lot of people. Well, I con you, you con me, we con each other. Con each other. <laughs> but you've been such an activist through the years, and going back to the basic human needs. From the conning tower. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, trying to uh, get... Uh, food and and drink to those that need it that's my main task yeah and to light up their hearts with humor yeah when we look at like seva you also acknowledge the fact that there are a lot of people in the world who don't get the help that they need to lead healthy productive lives well, whatever well, productive seva is. is a sanskrit word that means service to humankind mm -hmm. and uh a bunch of us got together on a lawn in, in I think, Massachusetts and came up with that and tried to figure out how we could uh, put our good where it would do the most. And we took on uh, blindness because 80% uh, of the people in the world that are blind don't need to be blind yeah. and can get their sight back for about uh, 10 bucks an eyeball. So we... we grabbed onto that, and we've uh, caused uh, over 5 million people not bump into shit. Wow. Now, wh what are what are you and Dr. Larry doing with that nowadays? It's still going on. We're, yeah. we're just uh, uh, one breath at a time, and uh, we aim at the, where the need is and put our good where to do the most. I love that. I love that. What do you... Let's see, what the question I guess I want to ask is, if you had a chance to do something else, reaching out around health, what would be something else that would really catch your eye and, and your heart? Besides blindness? Besides blindness. Oh, my Lord. I mean, I know there's a lot of things. Uh, I guess... Uh, uh, the, I guess a heart and a heart attack and to uh, light up people's heart. Yeah. And to do that, uh, we revert to uh, the medicine of joy and laughter. Like I said, laughter is the valve and the pressure cooker of life. You either laugh at stuff or you end up with your brains on the ceiling. Yeah. Well... And you actually have done a lot around that with Camp Winter Rainbow. Not heart attacks, but well, hearts. Well, it's a circus and performing arts camp, for sure. And uh, we, we do uh, probably 500 kids through the course of a summer in uh, five different sessions of 100 each. And they live in a circle of uh, 11 teepees. Wow. And with the fire in the center, so that everything gravitates to the center of the circle. And all the teepees' doors open that way. So it's hard to sneak out of your teepee when there are people looking at the doors. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of generations of kids who have come out of Camp Winter Rainbow. You betcha, Red Rider. Uh, let's see, how many years have we doing it? 30, 40 years now? Really? 
I didn't realize it was that long. Well, let's see. What does it say in my book? I'd have to read my book to find my amnesia. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, as 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 the years go on, it's it's sometimes it's really hard to keep track. I know even I for me, I think it's close to half a century. Really, I think so. Wow. So do do so the kids are up at the hog farm, and is there stuff here in Berkeley too? Because everyone listening, we're actually at the hog farm house in Berkeley today. Well, sometimes we do stuff in the park uh, before we go up to the the land. Uh huh. And uh, mostly uh, teen staff training. It happens in the park. Yeah. And then uh, we all drive up to Laytonville, which is uh, you drive uh, five and a half hours and take a left, and you're at our place. I love it. And we have a six hundred acre ranch with. Uh, what, 17 teepees? And a beautiful rainbow stage with a giant rainbow that you can climb up inside the rainbow and peek over the top. And the stage is just glorious with uh, wonderful sound uh, and lights. It's a shame when the parents come to see uh, the end of session shows, uh, they do it in the daylight. So they miss the magic of being lit on stage. That's got to be magical. It certainly is, and the kids get to have it, of course. How long have you had the farm? Probably over half a century. Wow. I, I actually, just the other night, rewatched Saint Misbehaving to really see, like, all the things that you've done and just what life was like at, well... It's a it's a brief touch on what life is like out at the hog farm, and it it did, it just seemed so magical, and and just what, it seems like in many ways for you, laughter is very much a spiritual practice. And putting your good will to do the most, yeah. And whatever lights up your heart is uh, the way to go. Yeah. And just follow that. Toward the light. Yeah, it it seems like in this world today where people are. So intent, some people are intent on creating differences between people to create divisions. And, and working for the Yankee dollar. Yeah, right? When we should really be talking about it's not so much about who you love or what you believe in, but just being a good person. And lighting up your heart and other people also. Yeah, yeah. just the joy in that. I love Living that. in the light. Living in the light. <laughs> I wrote a song called Basic Human Needs that pretty much covers it all. Where's my little hectare? Do you see it? It's a one-stringed instrument. It should be close at hand. Well, let's see. Where is it? Is it up behind me? I don't, I don't see it behind. Oh, I see it. Oops. That's it. Bingo. Here you go. And wouldn't it be neat if the people that you meet had shoes upon their feet and something to eat? And wouldn't it be fine now if all humankind had shelter? Basic human needs. Basic human deeds. Doing what comes naturally. Down in the garden, 
where no one is apart. Deep down in the garden, the garden of your heart. Hey, not just churches, not just steeples. Give me peoples, helping peoples. Help yourself and work out till the stars begin to shout. Thank God for something to do. Basic human needs, basic human deeds. Doing what comes naturally down in the garden where no one is apart deep down deep down in the garden the garden of your heart etc and so forth and beyond into eternity i love eternity it. now eternity now <laughs> That's the password. That's, I thought the password was I forgot the password. Come in. <laughs> <laughs> so all all of your kids at Camp Winter Rainbow must know that song. Uh-huh. What do you what do you hope for for all those generations that got to spend time with you? To continue to put their good will do the most. Yeah. And we get enough people doing that and that would change the world. You planted some good seeds. I think so. Yeah. I mean, when I think about I, I moved to the Bay in the mid-90s, so definitely not as long as you've been doing this. But you were one of the first people I heard about. And I remember I was, uh, I was working for a company. I was working for this woman who one of her favorite things was your camp in the summer, and I think she did some volunteering, and that uh -huh. was... Yeah, we do We do also, we do one week for grown-ups. Oh, you do? Uh, eight weeks for kids, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. How many grown-ups do you get every year, do you know? Same amount, about 80, 90. Really? Yeah. S same as the kids. They're not as flexible. Uh, some are and some aren't. It's always different. <laughs> Everybody is themselves. Yeah. Everyone is genius just being themselves. I learned that from a piano player I used to open for named Theolonius Monk. Oh. That's something. You, I, you know, the people that, not just the things that you've done, but the people that you've met. Like, I, I, I didn't realize how you got your name until I heard the story. Oh, God, I don't even remember. It seems like it was almost yesterday. Uh, uh, did it, who, you tell me. The B.B. King. Oh, yeah. B.B. King uh, said, looked at me and he said, I was laying on the stage in Texas. We were doing the Texas Pop Festival after Woodstock. And uh, somebody said... Uh, B.B. Uh, King is here with his bus. Could we clear the stage? And it was before one of my multitudes of back surgeries, and I'm just laying on the floor, and I look up, and there's B.B. King. And he just looked down at me and says, You wavy gravy. And I said, Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been wavy gravy ever since. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, it's, I, I, I wondered who would have bequeathed you that name, and it, I never would have expected it to be B.B. King. 
Well, history is a list of surprises. I got that from Kurt Vonnegut. Oh, you did? Yeah. He, I got the honor of seeing him speak many, many years ago. And he did a talk that was called How to Get a Job Like Mine. (laughs) (laughs) And then when we all got there, he said that that was just to get everybody in the door. (laughs) But he did this amazing talk. And then it all kind of wrapped up into, he said, basically the meaning of life is to fart around as long as you can. And put your good will to the most. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. When you think about people who've inspired you through the years, who are some people you'd think of? Albert Einstein and Thelonious Monk for openers. Oh, well, those are some great ones. (laughs) And Kurt Vonnegut. And uh, John Coltrane. Yeah. My favorite things is my marching orders. I love Coltrane. I, uh, I, I, uh, I sing and play jazz myself, so Coltrane was like... Coltrane and then also a lot of the, um, the female vocalists. Jazz, jazz, a lineage descended from drum refrains beyond the flight of wild birds, a gift of joy that greets these walls in 4-4 time. <coughs> yeah, the snapping uh, happened at the Gaslight. Uh, on McDougal Street in New York where we used to read our poetry back in the ancient times and uh, the the neighbors couldn't handle the applause and they would throw stuff down the air shaft so uh, for uh, peace, love and understanding we reverted to snapping our fingers instead of applauding and it spread all over the planet for sometimes no reason there are no neighbors to throw shit but you just snap anyhow and it felt right yeah, yeah. No, even now, I, I, I see more of that than clapping these days. You made another thing happen. A happening. Well, I don't know if I did, but a bunch of us did. Yeah, well, but I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing to think about all the work that you've done. All the work that you've done with amazing people and collectively. How I don't much... call it work, it's uh, play. Play. Creative play. Joy. To the world. Amen. (laughs) And women. (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) When when you when you look back on on your life, what are some of the things that bring you joy that you feel and, and maybe this is, is this is a question where I don't want to anticipate what you're going to say. It's not hard. There's only two things. It's, it's, it's Camp in the Rainbow mm-hmm. and Seva. Those are, those are amazing things. Seva is a Sanskrit word that means service to humankind. And we've taken on blindness because 80% of the people in the world that are blind don't need to be blind and can get their sight back for about... When we first started, it only cost five bucks for a cataract surgery in the third world. Now it's close to 50, but so what? Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of people that aren't bumping into shit because of Seva. And and getting to to see their families and have lives where they're not dependent on other people, those are all incredibly amazing things. Now, earlier today, before we hooked up the mics... Um, I think I told you, well, we, we mentioned that Jeff's birth mom 
was growing up in Berkeley when you were out here doing all your good deeds and we had pulled out that book do you still see yourself as a poet? Uh, I hope so uh, absolutely I've written a lot of amazing poems and hope to continue writing them although they're kind of turning into haikus the one I wrote for Jerry Garcia the fat man rocks out hinges fall off heaven's door come on in says Bill oh yeah and only if you understand that Bill is Bill Graham that you really catch it yep yep I, I, I caught that right away when you I'm said sure you that. Did. He's Jerry's been coming up a lot in conversations lately. This past fall I had had the honor to have one of the last interviews with the late great David Crosby. He was a dear friend of mine and I I, I have not rationalized that he has left this orb. And also my best friend, Mac Rebinek. Oh really? Wow. That's Dr. John, for people that don't know that. That's right, that's Dr. right. Dr. John, the night tripper. Mac. Yeah. He yeah. Was, we were very, very close, and I miss him terribly. Oh. But look, I'm, what am I, 87 years old? A lot of people have dropped off the edge of the, the life uh, on the planet and gone to uh, the next life, wherever that is. And I'm still here, and I miss so many people. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and speaking of that, when I was when I was watching the documentary the other night, Ja was talking about how when you proposed to her, you said that you didn't think you were going to live very long. Were you surprised? History is a list of surprises. I got that from Kurt Vonnegut, and it's so true. Yeah. And I'm happy that <laughs> I'm living a good long time. Yeah. Well, we need you. We all need each other. It's true. It's true. We all need each other, but, and, not but, and it's, it's important to have people like you in the earth to just inspire us. I'm knocking wood. Knocking wood. <laughs> This instrument is called an ektar. Ek in Hindu is string, and uh, ektar, ek, ek is uh, one string. Ektar, one string. Many strings never in tune. One string, sometimes I get lucky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My grandfather uh, played the sitar, but his his instrument was the violin. That's a lot of strings, man. <laughs> yeah, he he liked a lot of strings. He was um he was actually one of the people who helped preserve Persian art music in Iran. Wow. Yeah. Who was, who was your father? Uh, my grandfather was Ludfala Mofakham Payan. There's a handle for you. Whoa. But he was into that and geography, and so I grew up with a lot of music. But violin was his first love. But he did play the sitar as well. The sitar? Sitar. That's what I used to say. One string. Many strings never in tune. One string sometimes I get lucky, and I look at a sitar, and it, it just cracks my brain. I, I, I couldn't manage it. 
I couldn't. I would, hell, I look at Jeff and his guitar and I can't manage that. I'm a singer. I'm a singer and I can play the piano well mm-hmm. enough to plunk out my music. So. Well, I just sing my own songs. Mainly basic human needs, which I swear that I'll just keep singing it till it becomes a hit, and then I'll write another song. I think it's, I think it's already a hit, but you should keep singing it anyway. Well, the the the, the Ace of Cups uh-huh. are, are recording it big time. Oh, they are. And so uh, on their next album, so uh, I'm very excited about that. Something might come of it, and then I'll have to write another song. <laughs> Are you just going to see what comes to you? Hmm? Are you just going to see what comes to you, or do you have ideas? Yeah, of course. How else do you do it? (laughs) I suppose. I mean, you know, it's it's almost like that uh, you almost become a conduit in many ways, right? Conduit and can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Conduit and can do it. I think I can. I think I can. That's the little engine that good. I think I can. I think I can. Toot, toot. Now I'm gonna I'm into gonna, the mystic. <laughs> into the mystic is right. When we I'm gonna take it back to cannabis just a little bit, even though that really wasn't gonna be what we were talking a okay. lot about today. It's legal now. Well, and what do you think about that? Thinking gets in the way of thought once again, but uh, or what do you uh, feel about I'll, it? I'll mull it over, and uh, 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 I miss the illegal illegality of it all that the the thrill of uh, making a creative stash <laughs> and not getting captured yeah but then there's people in the slammer that breaks my heart to see them go to uh behind brick walls to for smoking flowers that's ridiculous yeah it is it's it's ridiculous and a lot of people went to jail, but especially a lot of black and brown folks. Yep. And we're getting them out. And, and that, that's my task at hand. And I've done a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, we, you know, it's, it's interesting because I, I, when I, when I teach, I teach a class on the history of cannabis. And it gets into that time when we had a lot of people like, William Randolph Hearst, mm-hmm. our very own from this area. Of course. The DuPonts. And just what they did to create prohibition because of industry, because of racism. And, you know, I, I like in these, this day and age where we've been seeing some reemergences of people having some, well, I'll just say it, some fascist beliefs. Back then, I didn't. I was just doing some reading recently, and Prescott Bush was working with them all to actually create a fascist coup to overthrow FDR because they didn't like the New Deal. Yeah, well, you should instead of beer, you should smoke it. Right? That's what I. I I'm was thinking think. of the Bush. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Well, I think his grandson enjoyed it from time to time. Uh-huh. <laughs> But it's it's interesting when we get into times of prohibition, what's what's behind it, and and really the power struggle of not letting people live and be happy. You know, it's stupid of me, but but I, I know it's stupid. But I I I did enjoy 
the illegality of it all and having to, you know, stash creatively and to hold creatively and uh, be very careful not to get captured. But every now and then, somebody would have to go away, and that was terrible. Yeah, yeah, that is terrible stuff. And I, I, I understand what you're saying because the first time I tried it, it was it was because of the fun of the taboo. The thrill is gone. Yeah, <laughs> there's a song about that too. No kidding. <laughs> One of the best. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, for our listeners out there, do, do you do you have any message for them? Uh, kissing builds up your mouth. <laughs> I think that that's a really good one. Thanks. Thank you so much for being on the show with me today. And and it's it's just been a pleasure. It's just great to get to spend some time with you. Because I think we've only met once before. And it was a really busy night because it was New Year's Eve, right before the pandemic. Hot tuna, Yorma and Jack were in town. And I got to see you just enough time to say hello and give you a hug. And that was it. They're very dear friends of mine, Yorma and Jack. I, they're, they're wonderful guys. That was the first time that I had met and them. And his wife, Vanessa. Vanessa's, yeah. I communicate with her quite frequently. Oh, do you? Yeah. So, Yorma, being a Finn, and I'm half Finnish, when he, when he met me, and Jeff told him that I was Finnish. You're not a Finnish, you're a start. I'm a start, Yes. I'm a Finlander start. <laughs> but he looked at me and he said, Satanapelkele. Which is... Fuck a chicken? <laughs> <laughs> kind of like that. <laughs> it's like, it? it's it's uh, devil be damned. It's like one of the, the big swears in Finnish. And I just looked at him and I said, I feel like I'm in my grandfather's wood shop because that's what he'd say whenever he messed something up in the shop. And we both just started laughing. It is them with a hammer, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that was a that was a magical night. So I'm just, it's just really nice to see you again. And toward and, the magic. Yeah, and thank hocus, you. Hocus pocus. Hocus pocus. And, I'm an hocus. <laughs> and thank you for bringing your magical self and opening your home to me. Well, thank you for coming in. Absolutely. And everyone remember, Planted is twice a month. And if you like listening, please give us a review, share it with a friend, let us know what your favorite episodes are. And if you'd like to stay in touch over social media, we are Planted with Sarah Pion on Facebook and Planted with Sarah on Instagram and Twitter. You can also go to our website, www.plantedwithsarah.com or listen to us on our parent network, Radio Misfits Network, where there are other great podcasts like one of my favorites, the Winemakers Podcast. So check it out. You can listen to Planted wherever you listen to your favorite podcast, whether that's Pandora, Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple, Stitcher, tune in. We are there. So join us. And until next time, stay curious, stay safe. And remember, it's a wild world out there. Be good to one another. Until next time, take care. 